describing various spiritual practices, some of the spiritual practices, and Lord Krishna calls them yajna, because every spiritual practice involves some kind of an offering, basically offering in terms of one's own efforts, offering in terms of restraining some natural tendencies, offering in terms of the devotion. So every spiritual practice involves offering, it is a spirit of offering which is called yajna here and therefore Lord Krishna uses the word yajna in a secondary sense. In the primary sense the word yajna should be used for the fire ritual. In secondary sense it is used in Bhagavad Gita in to de- denote any action that involves a spirit of offering. <coughs> so verse 28 in, five, in fact uh, describe as many six different yajnas. Dravya yajna those who make their offering by way of charity, tapo yajnaha, those who perform tapas or penance or austerities in their life, yoga yajnaha, those who are devoted to the practice of ashtanga yoga, yamaniyama, etc. Swadhyaya yajnaha. Swadhyaya also can mean 
the study of the Vedas or recite of the Vedas, like the thing that you the other day saw the priest doing, reciting the Vedas, that's called Swadhyaya also. Swadhyaya also means one's own branch of Veda. So here the word Swadhyaya means some people are devoted to reciting Vedas, reciting the scriptures. That also is a yajna. Some people recite, if not Vedas, other sacred texts, like Vishnu Sahasalama they recite, Bhagavad Gita they recite, Ramayana they recite, Narayana, many texts are there, which have become very, very uh, famous as, as uh, purifying the mind, and so in different parts of India also, different texts also become quite, uh, you know, uh, well known. So people, some of the people are just devoted to reciting things. So that is also, that is called Swadhyaya Yajna. Because reciting a text involves the recite ultimately in some way revolving the idea of God in our mind. Because when you recite a hymn, for example, which describes the glory of the Lord, then the mind also remains centered in some way into the, in, into the idea of God and therefore it becomes a purifying practice. <coughs> Jnana yajnasya, others are devoted to the study of the scriptures. There are many who just love to do that. There are those who just love to listen to tapes, love to study, love to study Sanskrit and then study the text and study the bhashyas and all kinds of things. They enjoy that, love that. So there is also called, there is also yajna because person is ultimately offering his time and his energy in a commitment and that also involves constantly dwelling upon or deliberating upon self. Therefore, ignorance or notions are constantly being offered. Yatayaha samshita vrataha As I say in the morning, there are others who are devoted to performing vrata or various kinds of uh, vows they take and very severely vows, severe vows they observe. So these are some of the practices. Continuing in the verse 29, the Lord Krishna says, Apane Jukhvati Pranam Prane Panantathapare Prana Panagati Rudha Pranayama Parayana The others who are constantly practicing pranayama, the control of breath. That also is a spiritual practice. And this pranayama or controlling the breath also brings about antahaka shuddhi or purification of mind. So here Lord Krishna says, apane jikhvadi pranam. You know, so prana is the outgoing breath or exhalation. Apana is the incoming breath of inhalation. Inhalation is apana, exhalation is called prana. <coughs> apana jukhvati pranam. In apana or inhalation, there are those who offer prana or exhalation is offered in the fire of inhalation. You know, what that means is that they do not exhale. They inhale and hold the, hold the breath inside. So this is called puraka filling the air inside the lungs. So you breathe in, all right, fill the air inside, 
and do not breathe out. So breathing out is called prana. You are restraining breathing out, restraining prana. That means that you are offering prana into apana. Apana means breathing into place and the breathing out did not take place. That can be described as offering prana, exhalation into apana inhalation. What it amounts to is that they fill up the air inside. This is called puraka. Puraka means filling the air inside and not letting the air out. That's one way. Second says, prane apanam tatha apare. There are others who offer apana into prana, meaning that they breathe out all right, but do not breathe in, meaning that they empty the air from the lungs, but then do not let the air in. This is called rechaka. Rechaka means emptying. So puraka means filling, rechaka means emptying. All these are all various ways of controlling the breath. You see, the idea is that we have a natural rhythm of breathing and we breathe X number of times in a minute. This may be 15 times, 17 times, seven cycles of breathing are there if you do not do anything. So what the yogis want to do is they want to control that. And therefore, so they, they, can, they restrain the natural breathing cycle. One way is that they restrain the breathing in or they strain breathing out. Or, next line is prana, pana, gati, rudha. Restraining both inhalation, exhalation as well as inhalation. Meaning not doing either of them. That is called kumbhaka. And so, kumbhaka is totally restraining. And so, these are the kind of practices that the yogis perform. It's called prana. Ayama means restraining. Prana means the breath. Prana means restraining the breath. The idea is that by restraining the breath, you also restrain the mind. Because breathing and mind are connected to each other. So when I become breathless, then my mind also becomes restless. And when the mind is restless, then the mind of my breath also gets affected. As Ramana Maharshi says, that these are the two branches of same and at same power. Like the, the primordial energy, so one is mind, other is the chittavayavaha, chitkriyayutaha, shakhayodvai, shakti mulaka. Ramana Maharshi says that this, this mind as well as the prana or the vital air, both of these are the two branches of coming from one stem of the energy. Therefore, you can, by, by pulling one branch, automatic other branch also gets pulled because both of them originate from the same root or same stem. So therefore, the yogis seek to control the mind by controlling the breath. That's how the practice of pranayama comes. And so, therefore, there are many who are adept and who are devoted to performing the practice of restraining the breath, thereby bringing about a purification of mind and restraining the mind also. <coughs> the next one also talks about pranayama. Apare niyata haraha Pranan praneshu jukhvate Sarve pyete yajna vidaha Yajna kshabida kalmasha 
apare there others near the aharaha those who regulate their ahara or intake of food so in any case whenever yogis are doing this practice of pranayama or restraining the breath there is always a, a restraint on the diet also so the yogis always choose a diet and they always take very limited amount of food also so apniyataharaha those who are restraining the intake of food that applies to previous line also so those who are performing pranayama call it reshaka puraka kumbhaka or pranan praneshu jhikvadi so yogis in fact can gain such a control over their vital breath understand that this prana or vital breath is performing basically five different functions in our body five physiological functions they go prana apana vyana udana and samana in that when we divide the pranayama this way then the then we can the prana is the respiratory system apana is the system of excretion vyana is the system of circulation samana is the system of digestion udana is the system of rejection <coughs> so these are the five physiological functions and they are named as prana apana etc so by restraining the, the breath or restraining prana yogis in fact seek to gain control over all these physiological systems and they can and that is what is meant here prana pranishujhvadi they conquer one prana after the other meaning that they conquer different physiological systems they gain control over them so whichever system is controlled you can say that that is being offered into other pranas and that way pranan pranishujhvadi they offer some prana one prana into other pranas meaning control different kind of pranas different physiological systems lord krishna just gives a sample here of the different kinds of spiritual practices performed by different seekers i mean there is a and then common practices also that are being performed <coughs> now having described some 12 kinds of yagnas here 12 kinds of different spiritual practices which can be called 12 different yagnas as you said because each practice involves a certain kind of offering therefore it can be called yagna so about all of this lord krishna says in the second line of this 30th verse sarve api ete yagna vidaha yagna kshabita kalmashah sarve api ete yagna vidaha all of these people are yagna vid this root vid has two meanings vid means to know and vid means to gain or attain depending upon which uh, conjugation it falls into so vid means to know so and vid means to gain so vidanti jananti or vindanti labhante yagna vidaha people who know the yagnas and those who perform the yagnas so talking about the different aspirants who are performing different kinds of yagnas in their life Lord Krishna says, "Sarve piyate." All of these aspirants or seekers that we describe, and others also who are doing other spiritual practices, which also involves some offering or the other. All of them are yajna vidha. They are all knowers of yajna as well as performers of yajna. 
yajna kshabita kalmashaha what what happens to them or what becomes of them all of them become those whose kalmasha whose impurity or the sin kshapita becomes removed or becomes destroyed as a result of this yajna the idea is that as a result of these spiritual practices which are performed without an expectation of any worldly gain all of these these practices can be performed also with a view of gaining some worldly or material benefit meaning you can do the dana as you say charity and, and expect to earn some punya and go to heavens and you can do all the practices also with some worldly end in mind in which case it will be called yajna it will be called yajna when these practices are performed without an expectation of any material or worldly gain that means that only what we call a spirituality or a mumakshu a person who is very clear about what it is that he is seeking when it becomes clear to a person that what i am seeking is moksha swami ji why are we here what is the purpose why are we here well as you said each one of us is a seeker seeker of moksha or seeker of freedom which we said a number of times it is not that we have decided to seek freedom it is that we find desiring to seek freedom so love for freedom is natural we we experience ourselves to be bound or limited and therefore a desire or urge to become free from limitation is natural what is important that way everybody is a mumukshu everybody is a seeker of freedom however important thing is to understand how can i gain the freedom in fact the people who are pursuing all the worldly ends also are seeking freedom meaning a person is seeking wealth or name fame or power also because he expects that he'll become free or happy by gaining those things but there is not the right understanding unfortunately the right understanding is that freedom is my nature and therefore freedom or moksha is not something to be acquired is something to be discovered something to be known this is important that is what we call the real maturity of the mind when a person understands that it is not by becoming something that i can become limitless it is not by acquiring something that i can become limitless it is by knowing the self which is limitless that i can discover limitlessness of my nature thus when a person becomes gets converted transformed from be mumukshu to a jignasu meaning the one gets transformed from being a seeker of moksha or freedom to a seeker of knowledge so that is one important understanding this called vyavasayatmika buddhi the second chapter lord krishna said vyavasayatmika buddhi ekaiha kurunandana he arjuna is vyavasayatmika this ascertainment or determination should come in the life that what i am seeking is moksha and that moksha is an already achieved fact and ever it can be gained by nature of self knowledge of self there is ignorance of myself and the various notions born of ignorance that are denying me the freedom which is my nature 
And therefore, by removing those things, I own up the freedom which is my nature. Now, if knowledge becomes the ultimate goal that I'm seeking, but then, then also we should understand that knowledge can be gained when we enjoy what we call antahagana shuddhi or purity of mind. Therefore, first step is purification of mind. Second step is pursuit of knowledge. This is how Lord Krishna basically explains the, the spiritual practice or a spiritual growth of an individual. How do you gain antahagana shuddhi? How do you gain purification of mind? Only when you perform actions without expectation of, as we said, without expectation of ego gratification or sense gratification when actions are performed in the spirit of yajna or offering. If all of this becomes clear, then alone it is possible for a person to perform an action as an offering, as worship, as contribution, not otherwise. Therefore, it, it must be a very mature person who can be karma yogi. Everybody can, just because one performs many karma does not mean he is a karma yogi. A karma yogi necessarily must be a mature person who has a mature understanding that purpose of karma or my actions or duties is to bring about inner purification. That my actions should not become means of increasing my likes and dislikes, but they should become means of getting rid of likes and dislikes. Then alone it is possible that a person will perform his actions in the spirit of yajna. Sarve piete yajna vidha, all of these aspirants who are the knowers and performers of yajna, meaning those who have made their life a process of antakana shuddhi, of purification of mind. This yajnas, all these actions performed, all these practices done with the, in the spirit of yajna or offering, it becomes means of inner purification, because means of removing the kshapi, the kalmasha, removing the impurities of mind. <coughs> Therefore, the next verse then becomes relevant, Lord Krishna says, Yajna Shishta Amrita Bhujaha Yanti Brahma Sanatanam Nayam Lokostya Yajnasya Kutonyah Kuru Sattama Yajna Shishta Amruta Bhujaha Yanti Brahma Sanataram Lord Krishna says that living a life of Yajna ultimately leads to one's attainment of Brahma. Yajna Shishta Amruta Bhujaha Amruta Bhujaha Those who partake of Amruta or nectar Yajna Shishta that is left over after performing the Yajna. Typically, when they perform a yajna or a, or, or a ritual, you take a certain material of worship as offering to the devatas, you make offerings. After the yajna is over, whatever is left is called amruta, is called nectar. 
and that is what that is what becomes prasada that is what actually they partake here lord krishna says that those people who sustain themselves only on that which is left after performing yajna what is meant by performing yajna is giving the share to the devatas first you first give to devatas their share give everybody their share after giving their share whatever remains this is what you partake and this must be understood in this way lord krishna said in the third chapter also yajna shishta shanasanta muchyante sarvakilveshai is similar so those who sustain themselves on whatever is left after performing yajna you see typically a householder is required to perform five kinds of yajnas every day because the idea is that a human being is sustained on account of the duties performed by the rest of the universe so vedas point out there five kinds of living beings exist in the universe first are the devatas or gods who live in the heavens other pitrus the departed souls who live in the pitruloka or world of mains third are the human beings you know members of society fourth are the rishis or sages who have as i said given us this storehouse of knowledge and fifth are the rest of the living beings such as animals plants trees insects rest of the living beings thus all the living beings are divided into these five categories the devatas of gods the pitrus of the departed souls the rishis of the sages the other human beings of society like the farmers like merchants like everybody all of them have some share in our life and the rest of the creatures meaning plants trees animals creatures all of this insects and vedas point out that all these five kinds of living beings have they <coughs> in fact they they make their contribution in our life our life is possible on account of the contributions being made constantly by these five kinds of living beings the contribution of devatas is well known so the sun and the moon and fire earth water jarakal devatas and the gods and their contribution is very clear earth you know supports us gives us food the water also quenches our thirst and fire cooks our food and you know inside and outside and gives us warmth sun moon all of these are constantly and actively contributing in our life therefore we should recognize it and therefore part of what we have should go to them so one form of worship is worshiping the devatas who have an important contribution in our life worshiping pitrus or the departed souls ancestors also because what we are is a product of our ancestors including our parents and therefore they also should get their share third are the rishis or sages who devoted their life in pursuit of knowledge and have made available all the scriptures and knowledge therefore one share should go to them also other human beings like farmers like merchants and 
Whatever you can count, how many people contribute in every day? You require a postman also, you require a milkman also, you require a washerman also, and you require a maidservant also, you require a farmer also, you require a merchant also. What all do you require? So thus, the rest of the members of the society also are contributing. Therefore, some share should go to the people who are needy, the needy members of the society should also get a share. And fifth, the cows give us milk, the trees give us fruits. And directly or indirectly, these trees, plants, dogs, cats, cows, all insects, they also contribute something in our life. And therefore, a share should go to them also. All these are, in fact, claimants in our life. Whether we recognize, we should recognize them. You know that in olden days, when the... Uh, the harvesting is done. There's a whole heap of grain. First of all, the share is given to the, those who's, who, who, you know, who have been helpful to us. So one share goes to the temple, one share goes to the barber, one share goes to the milkman, one goes to this. All those people from whom we took something during the year. So the barter system, during the year, they do things for me. And then, when the time comes, I give them the share. And whatever is left goes to my home. Like whatever profits are made, first the, the shareholders should get their share, and then whatever is left, then I guess the directors will get the rest. So in our life also, all of these are shareholders. And therefore, the Vedas prescribe that in life of human being, every day, there must be these five yajnas or five forms of worship. Worshipping these five kinds of living beings. And after giving the share to them, whatever is left, you partake from that. So this process, that is what is mentioned here also, yajnishishta mrita bhujaha. Those people who only partake in what is left over after giving the share in the yajna or in the, in the sacrifice. So those who live a life like that, Meaning those in whose life, all those who contributed have a prominence, have an importance, and after satisfying their needs, then whatever is left is what you take. That whole process is purifying, therefore this way of life is conducive to what we call purification of mind. Because my self-centeredness does not come, I must be other-centered, I must first fulfill their needs, then alone my, my needs come last. Having given the importance of needs of others who contribute in my life, then comes the my need. Living this way of life, Lord Krishna says, is conducive to inner purification. By Antayaka Suddhi, ultimately you gain knowledge also, and that's how you attain the goal of life, which is knowledge of Brahman is my own self, Yanti Brahma Sanasanam. So whoever undertakes this process of yajna in their life ultimately gains this, ultimately reaches the goal of knowledge of Brahman. <coughs> so this is how Lord Krishna praises this yajna or praises these spiritual practices involving a spirit of offering. Says that, that leads ultimately to the knowledge of Brahman. It leads to moksha. Suppose there is someone who doesn't care, I don't care. I don't want to perform any yajna. Suppose somebody, there is no yajna in somebody's life. 
What happens to that person? Lord Krishna says, Nayam loko si yajnasya kodonyah kurusattama. Here, Arjuna, you tell me. A yajnasya, a person in whose life there is no yajna. A person in whose life there is no offering. There is no sacrifice. If the person is totally self-centered and ever thinks of nobody other than himself or herself. For that person, I am Lokahanasti, Lord Krishna says that that person cannot enjoy the worldly pleasures while being here. Kutonyeh Kurusattama, then what you talk of attaining heavens or moksha? But a person in whose life the spirit of yajna or sacrifice is not there, cannot even enjoy the pleasures in this life. Swami, how do you say that? In fact, this fellow accumulated a lot of wealth. And so he is a happy person, he has all the comforts with him. How do you say he does not enjoy life? Well, the point is that to enjoy life, to enjoy anything, not only do we require the means of enjoyment, we also require the capacity to enjoy. In, it, an object of enjoyment can be in front of me. There's no guarantee that I'll be able to enjoy it. You can, you can give, give me a gift of a nice CD, Swami. This is music of such and such musician, such a singer. Fine. So, the CD player also is there. The CD also is there. Even the time also may be there. And I play there also. Then I doze off because for, for me to be able to enjoy that, some kind of composure of mind is required. Even to enjoy the flowers, to enjoy the plants, to enjoy the trees, to enjoy birds, even to enjoy food. The good food can be in front of me, but my mind should be available to enjoy it. Is it not so? If my mind is disturbed, it is stressed out, it is anxious, it is fearful, if my mind does not enjoy a certain amount of uh, uh, leisure, it is not possible for me to enjoy anything. To enjoy object of pleasure also we require a certain leisure of mind. Understand that. People do not understand this. They think that more we have, happier we are. But that's not the rule. It's nice to have more. There's nothing wrong in that. But that alone cannot assure me that I can enjoy things. For enjoying anything, I also require a capacity to enjoy. What is that capacity? That is what we call the leisure in my mind. The mind should have some leisure. Mind should have some tranquility. Mind should be available to enjoy. As I say, with money, you can buy books in your library. You cannot read them. For reading, you require enjoying the book. You need a certain kind of mind. Is it not so? For anything, your mind must be available to you. And then you can enjoy. But if the spirit of yajna is not there, if a person is totally self-centered, meaning that he keeps on only satisfying his own likes and dislikes, what happens is that satisfying likes and dislikes only makes likes and dislikes more intense. Because the likes and dislikes are fire, and more you satisfy them, more intense they become. And therefore this person will be, in fact, all the time bothered by his own impulses, his own emotions. And therefore, it is difficult for that person to enjoy a leisure of mind which is required even to enjoy the little things in life. So we should know that even to enjoy the happiness 
it is not enough that we have the things with us, we should also have the mind. That is why, in fact, Vedanta will tell us that when do we enjoy happiness? Happen, mind becomes happy not as a result of experiencing something, mind becomes happy only as a result of fructification of the past punya karma. It is our past virtuous deed or punya karma. When that gets fructified, that is when you experience happiness. Any moment you enjoy something, whether it is pizza or it is ice cream or it is a movie, whatever it is. It is not that object that is giving you happiness, but then it is some puro punya. Some punya that you perform in the past, that is what is giving you happiness. It is that punya that creates a certain frame of mind, which is what we call happiness. So thus, if in life, our life there is some yajna, there is some sac- sacrifice, there is some offering, then there is some punya. And that brings about a certain frame of mind, which is what we require to enjoy this life. Then what you talk of gaining knowledge, which requires santayana shuddhi, or purity of mind. Here, you know, a person who does not have any yajna in his life, if he is no good for enjoying the object pleasures of this world, what to talk of him enjoying the pleasures of heaven, which requires a much subtler mind? And what to talk of him gaining moksha, which requires an extremely subtle mind? Thereby, Lord Krishna is saying that in everybody's life, one or other kind of yajna should be there. Meaning that spiritual practices must be there. Either one of those that are described, one or more of those that are described here, or any other. But there must be some prayer, there must be worship, there must be offering. Whether offering in the sense of community service, in some way offering must be there in our life, because that is what creates the ground for us to be able to enjoy what we have. To be able to be happy, you need not have much also, it's enough that you, you know, you can eat and drink and, and survive. Because God has created enough things around for you to enjoy. As Puja Swamiji would say, there, are, there is a sky and there are stars and there is sun and there are moon. God has created these things for you to enjoy. Provided the mind is available. Where is the mind available? You want to go to walk, go for a walk on the back road. Where is the mind available? I'm thinking some mind is someplace else I'm walking, I come back. So did you see what is happening? What, you know, did you see those new flowers? What flowers? You look into the valley, what valley? Where is the mind available? I just walk and come back. Things are there for me to enjoy, provided my mind is available. <coughs> and so, yajna, meaning is an action performed in the spirit of offering. An action performed as a sacrifice, meaning self-offering. <coughs> So when Lord Krishna described so many yajñas, is it something in the segment of imagination of Lord Krishna himself who called the spiritual practice yajna? Lord Krishna says, no, this is not my original thing, it comes from the scriptures. Understand, none other Lord Krishna says that, you know. In, in Bhagavad Gita, in several places, Lord Krishna either clearly says or quotes some other learned people that this is what they say. Meaning thereby that this is not something that I have originated. 
not something that is conceived by my mind. I am just part of the ancient tradition. And I am telling you what is traditional. And what is meant by traditional is that it has proven its value. What is meant by tradition is when something has proven the test of time and so it has been recognized as an effective thing, that is what is called tradition. So Lord Krishna says, that is in fact what I am passing on. So next verse says that. Evam bahuvidha yajnaha Vitata brahma mukhe Karmajan Vidhitan Sarvan Evanyatva Vimokshate Evam in this manner Bhavida Yajna Many very Yajnas Lord Krishna says I just mentioned a few here But Dhamma Mukhe Vitataha they are all elaborately mentioned in the Veda. Here, Brahma means Veda. Brahma, Mukhe, in the mouth of the Veda. Meaning that this and many other religious practices are found in the Veda. Remember, I just quoted, I just mentioned a few of them. But these practices are not those which are imagined by me. These are their descriptors of which I mentioned a few. So these and many other religious practices like this are elaborate in the Vedas or are described in the Vedas. <coughs> this is where Lord Krishna concludes the topic of Yajna and says something in general about this Yajna. See, second line, Karmajan Vidvitan Sarvan Evam Jnatva Vimokshase Tan Sarvan Karmajan Vidhi you recognize that all of these are born of karma. They are all born of karma, meaning they are all born of anatma. All of these are actions. So understand that all these yajnas are born of karma. Karma or action performed wherever a body or speech or the mind. So some of these actions that were mentioned, practices, are done level of body. Some the level of speech, some the level of swadhya yajna. And the level of speech, repeat this, repeat the, uh, the Veda, repeat the sacred text. Jnana yajna, the pursuit of knowledge, is one level of mind. Charity and other things are done with the link. And so, there are all different actions performed the level of body or speech of the mind. Meaning that all the yajnas are born of karma. They are all born of anatma, born of non-self, and not born of self. Understand that these vijnas are not born of atma, they are not born of self, they are born of anatma. You know what it means? It means that you must ultimately transcend these vijnas. You must transcend these karmas. Recognize that they are not the end, they are the means and not the end in themselves. Understand as you know that all of these are means really for knowledge of the self. And therefore, Karmajan, Vidyatan, Sarvan, know them all to be born of karma or action performed by the body, speech of the mind. Yuvam, Jnatva, Vimoksha says, knowing that they have been liberated. Yuvam, Jnatva, Vimoksha says, knowing that they are all born of karma or anatma. So how do you get liberated? So use this karma also as a means of knowledge. As Sankaraja explains here, 
So when this Jajna is being performed, or when this spiritual practice is being performed, one can recognize this fact. That I am not doing that. In fact, even when actions are being done, for example, when I am reciting the sacred text, you know, I, the Atma that is reciting, in fact, the reciting is taking place at the level of speech, and I am merely in my presence, it is being done. How Lord Krishna says that how karma or action can also become a means of knowledge of the self. Because whenever any action is performed, self is involved there, Atma is involved. Not as a participant, but definitely as a witness. The self or Atma himself does not perform any action, but without him also no action can be performed. Like they give the example of sun. When the sun is set and the sun has not risen yet, it is night, it is dark, all the living beings are dead, they are all sleeping, they are all insensible. As the sun rises, the sun comes up, Slowly, all the beings gain sentences. The birds are, you know, flying, and the insects, and the human beings, one by one, all of them, the sun infuses life into all of them. Place on this earth, in presence of sun, the sun does not participate in performed activities. However, without the sun, activities cannot be performed also. So that is how, artwork electricity, the fan rotates in presence of electricity. Electricity does not participate in rotating. However, without electricity, rotation cannot take place also. So also Atma the consciousness. In the presence of Atma the consciousness, the speech, the mind, the body, they get enlivened and that's how they perform their activities. It is true that all activities are performed at the level of anatma, non-self, at the level of body or mind or speech, all activities are performed. However, they can be performed only when they are enlivened by the presence of the self. Atma, the consciousness, by its very presence, enlivens the mind, enlivens the speech, enlivens the body, and that's how then they perform their activities. So Lord Krishna says that even when these actions are being performed, if you pay attention to this reality, that actions are being performed at the level of non-self, that I am not the performer of action, I am in fact actionless, I am the witness or illuminator, it is my presence that actions are taking place, if you thus through the action you can know the actionless, that's idea. Action can become a window for knowing the actionless. <clears throat> because when action is performed, you must know that action cannot be performed without the presence of the actionless. For example, when I hold this flower in my hand, all of you see this flower. When is this sight or perception of flower, when does it become possible? Only when this flower is illumined by the light. If there is no light in this room, you could not have seen the flower, even though it was held in my hand. So fact that you see the flower is because of light. What happens is, we do not make note of the presence of light, but then the fact that you see flower means that light is present. So that is how the perception of flower can become a window for knowing the presence of light. Understand? Similarly, 
when thoughts are taking place in the mind, for example, and you are aware of the thoughts, thoughts you can be aware of only when thoughts are illumined by consciousness. And therefore, the fact that you are aware of the thought shows that awareness is there without which the thought could not have been perceived. Therefore, a thought also can become a window of a window for us to recognize the presence of awareness, to recognize the presence of self that is awareness. Anyway, the point here is that Lord Krishna, because Lord Krishna said, Yom Jnatva Vimoksha say, knowing that all the karma directions, including yajnas, they are all performed in the level of non-self, in the level of mind, in the level of speech, in the level of body, and that I am actionless in my presence is being done. Thus, this karma can become, action can become a window for knowing the actionless self. And thus, knowing the self is actionless, you will become liberated. <coughs> so understand that ultimately all the actions are performed for knowing the actionless self, which is what Lord Krishna says in the next verse, verse 33. <coughs> Shreyan Dravdhyamayad Yajnyad Jnani Yajnyah Parantapa Sarvam Karmakhilam Partha Jnani Parisamapyate Shreyan Dravyamayad Yajnyad so So by the yajnas or the religious discipline that are performed with the help of various materials, as I described so far, Lord Krishna says, Gnan Yajna Shrayan. The yajna of the sacrifice of knowledge is definitely superior. So understand how we talked about two kinds of yajnas just in the previous verse. We said that when a yajna or an action is being performed, at that time, if you use that action as an occasion to contemplate upon the actionless self, you understand? You can use the action as an occasion to contemplate upon the actionless self. Just as you can use the perception of flower to contemplate upon the nature of light. Or just as you can use the, the reflection in the mirror in order to know your face or you can use the various thoughts occurring in the mind as windows for knowing the consciousness of yourself. Similarly also the karma or action also can be used as a window or a means for knowing the actionless self. That is called jnana yajna. So what is jnana yajna? The yajna knowledge. As I said, when you say this, or when you see this fact, that this action is being performed in the presence of consciousness, which is I. I am not the performer of action. I am not a participant in action. I am the presence. I am the consciousness whose presence action is being performed. If you see this fact, seeing this fact is called Jnana Yajna. Seeing this fact is called Jnana Yajna, the Yajna of knowledge. Because in that, the notion that I am a doer is sacrificed. In the, no, in the knowledge of the, the fact that I am actionless self, 
the notion that I am a doer of action, that notion is sacrifice. Therefore, Lord Krishna says, as compared to the yajnas, which are performed with the help of materials, which involve the doership. And therefore, as such, that action can never lead to knowledge, understand? Action itself cannot lead to knowledge in itself, because action always involves a doer. And therefore, unless I assume the role of a doer or a karta, it's not possible for me to perform action. That means I must retain my notion of a doership, whereas I am actually actionless. So unless I superimpose upon myself the notion of doership, action cannot be performed. So all actions are performed in the realm of ignorance, in the realm of duality. Because the duality of the karta, the doer, the karma, the object, all the duality must be there, then alone action can be performed. Like last night a question was asked, and we said that you require six accessories to perform an action. What six accessories? The karta, the doer, the karma, the object, karanam, the instrument, the sampradhanam, the one for whom the action is performed, offering is made, and apadam, from where the movement takes place, adhikaranam, the location. So all these things must be there for performing action, meaning action is always performed in the realm of duality. It's performed in the realm of duality. Therefore, what is done in the realm of duality can never lead to non-dual. But we can use that to know the non-dual. Therefore, Lord Krishna says that jnana, ultimately all these jnanas must culminate into jnana-yajnana. Recognize that the performance of all spiritual practice ultimately is to lead you to the practice of pursuing knowledge. Sarvam karma akhilam partha jnane parishamatyade. He partha sarvam, all karma in its entirety culminates into knowledge. If karma or action is performed in the spirit of yajna, then that brings about what we said, antayaka shuddhi or purification of mind, which in turn becomes a means of knowledge. So the purpose of karma or action is for it to lead us to knowledge. Only when that action is performed in the spirit of selflessness, then it leads to knowledge through antahakan shuddhi. Saram karma akhilam partha, jnani parishama pedhe partha, all the karma culminates into jnana. And therefore, jnana yajna, the knowledge sacrifices superior to other sacrifices involving material. But the first step, stage is to perform sacrifices with material. Second stage is to perform sacrifice of knowledge, where the material is ignorance. So ignorance, many notions born of ignorance, are offered in the fire of knowledge. <coughs> this is how Lord Krishna has built up this whole topic to bring us to the jnana-yajna of the knowledge. So next now, Lord Krishna will say how to gain the knowledge, what's the nature of knowledge, what's the glory of knowledge, all of that will be stated subsequently. So that we'll see in the next class. <coughs> Om Purnamada Purnamidam Purnat Purnamudachyade Purnasya Purnamadaya Purnamevavashishyade Om Shanti 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 Shankaram Shankaracharyam 
केशवरायण सूत्रभाष्यकृत वंदे भगवतुनपुनो गुरुरात्मे मूर्ति भेद विभागिने व्योमद्याय दक्षिणा मूर्त नम ओं शा